This is a podcast from the Women's Conference Flourish 2012 held in Guernsey. Please feel free to listen to the other sessions. Okay, we're just going to um, end this, uh, the, the, the conference, this great day, with just some uh, questions and, um, to Ariana. And I know lots of you have put something in the box. Now, I probably won't be able, I'm not sure I'll be able to get through everyone's questions, but we'll see how we go, okay? And I'll try and do my best um, with that. There are some questions that are kind of similar, so I'll sort of group them together and, and then ask you. Yeah, that's fine, okay. Um, so I've got a few questions here. And um, basically asking really... What, this person has put um, about how to assist somebody who's self-harming and, um, you know, they... Oh, well, I'll read it to you. How can I assist a self-harmer who's caused so much pain in the family, um, refuses to be anything other than a victim, really, and, and struggling to help that person? The same type of um, question, how can I help somebody who um, is a Christian, but they, they themselves don't recognise they have a mark, you know, how can we help them remove a mask when they don't recognise it themselves? And then again, how do I help some Christian friends who are uh, in a homosexual relationship, but they don't see that as wrong? So how can we help people when, yeah. you know, they don't know it? <laughs> Well, we actually have a whole Empower Training Day devoted to those questions, which I shan't launch into now. But briefly, uh, I think one of the things that we have to start, a point we have to start from, is that we can't make people's choices for them. So that means you have to let people make mistakes and you have to let people hit rock bottom, whatever that looks like. That's very painful for people who are around that person, if you're friends or family. And I know that because I watched my sister do that uh, time and time again. So it is difficult to have someone in your life and in your world that, that is struggling with these things. However, you cannot make them change. You can lead a horse to water, as they say, but you cannot make it drink. And uh, um, it's not in the Bible, but it should be because it's very true. Uh, you, you, we have to release ourselves from false responsibility where other people's choices have an effect on us. We need to distance ourselves from that emotionally. The things we can do, positive things, is that we can create a safe environment for communication, open and honest communication. We can relate to the person based on who they are, not on what they're doing. So you can always um, affirm them, show that you are a consistent uh, person in their life who will always say the same thing, like, I love you, I'm for you. These are the choices that you have. The consequences of them are this. If you choose that, then this will happen. If you choose that, that will happen. But that's, it's up to you. Um, you know, I'm here to, to pray for you and support you. You can offer prayer. Prayer works. Prayer really does work. You might not see it working immediately. Um, but prayer, you can pray for that person's protection. You can pray and start interceding for them, for people to, for the, the life circumstances to, to bring things to a head that they can discover that they've got need help. You know, so there's all sorts of things you can do, but mainly it's about creating boundaries, um, releasing yourself from false responsibility, and, and staying a consistent, positive influence that keeps speaking truth and hope and love into that person's life. Thanks, and no, that's great. Um, a couple of questions that are similar as well. Obviously, Mercy Ministries is for 18 to 28, um, but there's two different questions, really. What is that, do you know of things that are available for people beyond that age who are suffering from the same issues and the same problems? 
Uh, yeah, there's lots of places. I think the best thing to do is to you can actually contact Mercy Ministries because we have a, a remote support department. We call them support services. So anyone who calls Mercy for any kind of help, we will, if we're not the right place to offer help, either it's for someone who's male or they're outside of our age range or whatever, then uh, we will do what we can to refer people onto other organisations. So the easiest thing for me to say, rather than list all the different organisations, is for you to just to call our office at Mercy and ask for help and we will do what we can. Okay, um, another one here is just a question about really what Mercy Ministry's stance on antidepressants because you've talked a lot about, you know, really just relying on God and God transforming. But, um, you know, with regards to antidepressants, is, is that something that you would still support or medication, these things? Yeah, um, I would say... All of the girls who come to Mercy Ministries who are struggling with depression come on the maximum dose of antidepressants. Uh, so, well, most of them on the, on the maximum and some of them on some other dosage. So antidepressants are the world's way of medicating something called depression, which is still not really being classified medically. They have ideas of what depression is, but they don't really understand it. And, um, and it's brought on by all sorts of different influences, including, in some cases, a hormonal imbalance. And so, absolutely, medication is, is definitely a part of an answer to um, depression. However, it's not the answer, because what medication does isn't solve any of the problems that are causing the depression in the first place. So whilst it might stabilise the person's emotional response to life situations, it doesn't solve the root causes and therefore can't be a permanent answer to something called depression. And so it's a tool along the way that um, what's amazing is without us actually putting any pressure on any of the residents to come off antidepressants, they all choose usually within the first four to eight weeks that they want to come off antidepressants or certainly reduce their dosage. And then the first thing we do is just take them straight to the doctors and they go under the care of the GP. We don't have anything to do with that. Uh, we're not medically trained. It's none of our business how to, to get them off stuff. We're not making that our business. We're there to help them work through the uh, side effects of coming off the medication. So they, do, they work that through with, their, with the GP, the local GP, and uh, they're just reduced. And I think bar two residents in the six years that we've opened, uh, that's over 100 residents, uh, only two left our programme on antidepressants, which is amazing. Um, this is one here that's a bit uh, more unique to the situation that we're here on the island and, and that we're living in. Um, because of the nature of Guernsey and because it's a small place, it's difficult sometimes if, if we do something wrong or we mess up to be able to get away from that. Um, and uh, the fear of the local press and all, all those sort of issues. So even if we give our life to God, how do we cope with people that remind us of our mess, really? How can we move on um, when the, sort of the world or people around us sort of keep reminding us of, of our past, in a way? Um, well, it, it kind of goes back a little bit to what I was saying earlier, is that you have to get to a point where you move past what people say and what people think. Um, people will always want to put you in a box, They'll always want to keep you somewhere where they can think they've got you worked out and they've got, you know, they've got something on you. And that, that's just the nature of people and we've got to release ourselves out of that. Forgiveness is massive. You probably, people think that you, only you forgive for the big things. You save forgiveness up for when you've been really hurt or really abused or, you know, you try, you're on a mercy programme, whatever. That's when you forgive. But actually forgiveness is something you do every day. Every day you feel an ouch. Every time you see two people and you know they're talking about you and you, you feel 
feel the vibes. You, you, your response has got to be, I forgive. I choose to release them. How they are treating me is between them and God. How, and how I respond is between me and God. And so you, you, you have to walk in forgiveness. It is very difficult in a small community. It's one of the reasons why we take girls from all over the country. And it's the ones who come from the furthest away or it's... It, put it the other way around, it's the girls who are local uh, from the Bradford area that struggle the most. And so once we have more homes across the country, which is our aim, we will be able to send people to other places so they're not having to go through the process of healing in amongst their own community, because that's very difficult. Um, but I think if you look in the Bible, there's characters all the time who had to go against the flow of what, this, what their community was saying and thinking about them. You just look at the woman who was caught in adultery, you know, and, and they, they pulled her in front of Jesus and they accused her publicly. And, and this was a woman who was well known to everyone. So they'd all been gossiping. And if there had been a local paper, she'd have been in it every week with another man that she'd, whatever, you know, whatever the situation was, everybody knew about it. And Jesus did not condemn her. He, he showed her mercy and grace. And, and in fact, in doing so, he actually showed how everyone had stuff going on in their life. Um, but she still had to live in that community when Jesus moved on. You know, what were they saying? Oh, she's the one who got us all into trouble. You know, what was it? They get, these things get twisted. And, and I'm sure that she had for a long time to carry around this whole thing of she was the one, she was the one who... You know, Jesus let her off and we all had to go and it was so embarrassing. You know, they, those people were not happy about that situation. So, you know, and I, I also think about Mary. You know, she was, what, 14? I think she was probably very young. Um, and she got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Like, who is going to believe that in a, in a small community? Who is going to believe that girl? Would you? I, I probably wouldn't have. And so she had to go through what it's like to live in a community that have certain expectations of how you should behave. Um, and yet you know in your heart what's gone on. And you know in your heart that what you're doing and what you're saying is right. And that you've got God's approval. And so you have to go past people. It's just, it's a massive thing in small communities. And it's why I think I've labored it so much today. Is that people will be the death of you if you let them if you let them to get have too high a voice there's a thing that reinhard bonke said it's amazing it says it says if you value the praise of man then the criticism will destroy you seek only the honor of god not the honor of man and that is what i would say to anyone who's struggling with this, is if you value the praise, if you feel good when they say good things about you, if you f use compliments and approval and the sense of belonging to feed your sense of value, then when they turn on you, when they criticize you, when, the, when they put you in the paper, when they talk about you behind your back, then that will destroy you. So you cannot ever have your sense of identity and purpose and value set in people. It has to be set on who you are in Christ and not let anybody or anything move you away from that. Okay, and just a, a different type of question. And what do the scriptures say or what's, can you give us some, uh, your view about relationships um, when there's a bit of an age gap in that relationship? I don't think we should look at the scriptures for age gaps because they were, you know... <laughs> girls were getting married at 12 I think or something ridiculous um, so uh, age gaps I don't know I guess it depends on what the age gap is and who we're talking if we're talking about a 13 year old girl, girl and a 50 
50-year-old man, then I would say that's probably not a good idea. Um, there's six years between me, me and my husband. And it's funny because when, when you go back in time and you think that when I was 12, he was 18, that's a bit scary. Um, but now that I'm 39 and he's 44, it doesn't seem so scary. So I guess age gaps are just, you know, about... It, it's probably more about seasons of life and what stage of life you're in. So uh, without a little bit more information, I'm not sure if I could answer that other than, you know, st stay within sensible limits. <laughs> OK, no, excellent. Um, OK, just a couple more. Um, this person's uh, put that they r really want to minister to babies and, and love that kind of work. Um, uh, how can I... How can they be a part of that world? What can they do, to, you know, to follow that dream, really? Uh, get a qualification in childcare, <laughs> I would say. And in the meantime, volunteer in your local church in the creche and find mums who, who have about five babies and all of them under three and they don't know what to do and just desperate for someone to help them. Um, it's just one more. Uh, you did talk on, about this in, in your talk before. It says, how did you become a Christian? But is there anything else you could you want to share about that yet? Yeah, I, um, I was five years old, and I remember crying in my bed at night, and my mum coming to see me and asking me if I was okay, and me saying that they were happy tears because I knew that Jesus loved me, uh, and I was five. So, but, the, but the funny thing is, when you grow up as a Christian, you have to keep becoming a Christian <laughs> again. I think I must have put my every, every Sunday, like my dad was a pastor in Holland, so every Sunday when the appeal was, my hand would be up again, and he'd be like, my parents would be on the front row, like, okay, she's getting saved again, again. So I, I, I got saved about a hundred times in the first three years of my life. And then, and then you realize that you don't have to keep doing that, but then you do know that you have to keep having a new revelation of who God is to you at whatever stage of life you're at. So God is who he is to you at five but then you need to discover him again at 12 and you discover him again at 15 and you discover him again at 19 and you and then you that you he becomes a part of your journey and you and you um just keep getting closer and okay well that is at the end of the question so should we just show our appreciation and say thank you very much for answering those great It's been so great to have Ariana with us, hasn't it? And it's um, just so exciting that we can keep in touch with what's happening through Mercy, even though we're here on, on the rock, you know, we can still find out about what God's doing over there with those beautiful young girls and also support that work and be part of that, be treasure builders. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Women's Conference 2012. Please feel free to listen to the other sessions. 